Discover Beauty with me, Lauren Amy, your professional skincare therapist, makeup artist, product junkie and beauty geek, wishing to share with you all things beauty and more. Hello and welcome to my first ever Beauty Undercover podcast. I'm Lauren Amy and I'm going to start this podcast by telling you a little bit about myself. So in case you haven't already guessed, Beauty Undercover is going to be a podcast very beauty based on things like skincare, makeup, beauty, looking into a little bit like health, exercise, diet. We'll be looking over facts, conversations, educations, reviews and how to's is what I'd kind of like to cover with this podcast. So let me tell you now about me. I started off in the beauty industry coming straight out of college and I trained up in my NVQ level 3 beauty therapy. I moved on into the spa industry and I worked in a couple of different spas across the Lake District. This is kind of where I then realised that I was very keen on exploring the makeup industry and I went down to the School of Makeup in Manchester. I trained in fashion editorial makeup and... I kind of started my own little business there, doing more wedding makeups and the odd, you know, shoots, which is always so much fun as well. So I've kind of been building on that. I've always stayed in the beauty industry as well. I absolutely love it and I am the biggest fan of skincare. I've worked with lots of different brands through my time in this industry. And my favourite brand has to be, which you're probably going to hear me talking about a lot um in many of these podcasts and that would have to be Dermalogica and the reason why I absolutely love that brand is because the education that they give their therapists is absolutely outstanding and it is Dermalogica who made me realise how much I love skincare and how much I want to do it and how much I want to teach others about it as well. So with Dermalogica they have a great training system. You start off and you obviously learn about the basics and their basic skincare products that they have. Then you can move on to your specialist and you can then move up to your expert. And that is what I've done. And I've moved all the way up to the expert level and my knowledge is better than ever. So it makes me want to explore the skincare industry even more too. So that is definitely what I'm going to be looking over a lot in this podcast. My main things as a beauty therapist is that I personally love to have constant education going on. I like to be constantly learning. I love reading articles on new and upcoming things, new research and what that has led to in the beauty industry, the hottest trends. I love trying out new products as well. Obviously, yes, I'm not going to lie, my whole bathroom is just filled with Dermalogica, but I do have other products in there too and I do buy products and I do try them out. If I don't like them, I will give them to a friend, family. And if I do like them, then great. My bathroom is just filled with a crazy amount of products. When it comes to makeup, I personally myself, I'm not one of these overnight success social media makeup artists, which I have absolutely nothing against you guys. I think that your level of artistry is great. Obviously, what you're doing, it's amazing. So many people love these trends. The business that you can build from it is perfect. But me, I'm more about that root of enhancing natural beauty. I love to work on shoots. I love working and getting to be creative that way in like fashion, creative beauty kind of shoot. And I love 
bridal work, I work on a lot of brides. That's more my area in being. And I always think that personally, you should be enhancing your natural beauty, getting the best skin you can possibly get, being and looking the best that you can naturally and not kind of worrying about this whole, I need fillers, I need Botox. If that's what you genuinely want for yourself, then fine. But I don't think that we should all be feeling that that is what we have to do. I think that there are many things out there that you can do to really, really look your best. Quite simple things as well in the sense of makeup tips and a good skincare routine. So that's more what I'm about as well. But as I say, massive fan of the beauty industry and I'm very interested in all aspects of it too. So over time, we can look into all of these different things. So I've also mentioned that like extra things I'd love to talk about in these podcasts would be health exercise diets. Now, I'm not trying to say I'm super healthy. If I want to take away, I'll have a takeaway. I'm really struggling at the moment with eating a lot of chocolate. I can't stop eating chocolate, but that's just me. I try my best. So I I look into things, I hear things. There's, you know, there's quite a few people around me that are very much into health and, and I love hearing about it. I think it's important. I also know the wonders that, you know, being healthy can do for your skin and obviously like your body in general. So talking about those things, but at the end of the day, we're all human and it's taking it all with a pinch of salt. Exercise as well. I've got a lot more into exercise lately. It's doing absolute wonders for, you know, my mind. I think it's great for that. So I'd like to like chat a bit more about that as well. But this is just my own personal experiences. And when I say diet, diet is just literally talking about the food that you eat as well. So briefly touching on those things, because I'm no expert with them. But I think that they're quite good things to bring into the whole beauty industry because it does all go together as well. Now, what made me kind of want to start doing all of this was I absolutely love listening to podcasts and I feel like I'd like to share with you all what I'm interested in. You know, hopefully there'll be other people out there that are also interested in it. My absolute favourite podcast would have to be Breaking Beauty and when I started listening to that, it really, really got me into the whole podcast thing. Now, I follow so many podcasts. And to be honest, the ones that I follow, they are all a little bit more beauty-led and some of them are a bit more like mind and body. It's just things that I'm interested in. And, you know, what I find that I just want to sit down and listen to. If I go for a walk, I'll always listen to a podcast over music. It's just what I'm I'm into. So yeah, Breaking Beauty kind of opened the doors to all of that with me. And I absolutely love their show. I listen to it all the time. Massive fan. So yeah, thank you guys over at Breaking Beauty. You have inspired me to try my own podcast. Now I think that's enough on me. This podcast today is going to be all about wedding ready skin. Like I've just said, I work a lot in the wedding industry. I love my skincare, put the two together. What I kind of find as a makeup artist when I have my brides come to me is a lot of them start saying to me, you know, oh, should I be doing something different with my skin? I don't use skincare. Should I use some skincare? Is there anything I can do to make my skin less spotty? Is there anything I can do to make my skin less dry? How can I improve my skin for my wedding day? And I get that a lot. In my makeup trials that I do, this is the constant conversation that I'm having. On my Instagram, which... I have quite a few. I have a beauty undercover Instagram and I also have a Lauren Amy makeup Instagram. 
the two are separate, I suppose, um, obviously combined in this podcast. So I did my own little investigation and I asked a couple of questions to the brides out there. Wanted to kind of know what their own personal experiences were for their wedding or their thoughts about their wedding coming up. So I've literally, I've said, brides that have already had their weddings and brides that are still to have their weddings. I wanted everybody involved in this. I asked them a couple of questions just to kind of fit into this podcast. So one of the questions was, have you looked into improving your skin in time before your wedding? And I got 81% saying yes. Another one was, have you looked into changing your skincare brand or products used? And 58% said yes. Have you decided to try using skincare products for the first time to improve your skin before your wedding? And 56% said yes. Have you booked in for skin treatments to help with the improvement of your skin for your wedding? 59% said no. I am definitely going to touch on this subject later on in the podcast because I would have thought more people would have said yes to that. And I'll explain why later. Next question. Have you considered changing the makeup you use at all to help your skin before your wedding? I got a 50-50 split. 50% of everyone said yes and 50% of my bride said no. So that was interesting. Have you tried wearing more makeup before your wedding to get used to having more on on the day? 86% said no. Which I kind of expected. The one that shocked me was the have you booked in for skin treatments to help with your the improvement of your skin before your wedding with more people saying no. But we will touch on all of this further on in the show. So I did this little kind of investigation questionnaire just to see what people were saying so that I could integrate that into this podcast and hopefully help people with ideas on how to improve your skin. The podcast is going to be, we're going to have some facts today about your skin, contributions as to what can cause unhappy skin, effects that these have on the skin, taking care of your skin, looking at how clean your makeup is, the ingredients in your makeup, the amount of makeup that you're using, cleaning your makeup brushes. Is your makeup bag clean? Is your makeup bag dirty? And if they are, how to clean them? And then how long to kind of consider making these changes prior to your wedding as well. So that's roughly what we're going to be looking at today. So I hope that you enjoy. Let's have a little look at a bit of education on your skin. One of the main ones I want to talk about is stress. What can stress actually do to the skin? Now, everyone is different and our skins are all different as well. Stress can trigger flare-ups on your skin. It can create worse breakouts. It can flare up eczema, redness, rashes, sensitivity. You know, it can cause current skin conditions to become worse on your skin. So it's little bits of ideas on how we can kind of help all of this. When you get stressed... Obviously, it affects your whole body and it will affect your skin as well. You know, I don't know about you. I've got more of a sensitive skin type and I find that if I'm getting stressed, I can feel myself go hot and red. When people have long-term stress is when, for example, eczema can flare up quite bad. Your breakouts can become worse. You can get rashes on your skin. Um, I can break out in rashes all over my body if I get really stressed as well. So... There's kinds of ways I'm trying to treat this. And obviously, like leading up to your wedding, you can probably experience stress. And I get a lot of brides that'll say to me, oh, I bet I'm going to end up with some breakouts right before my wedding because I'll get stressed. So 
a few ideas on trying to keep the stress levels as low as possible is meditation. Meditation, I'm not gonna lie, I've never tried meditation before. The only time that I've kind of come close to it is in some yoga classes where they've kind of looked at more going into that state of mind where you are calm, relaxed, but you're not falling asleep, you're listening to things around you and focusing on them and focusing on your breathing, but not affecting your breathing and just keeping yourself nice and calm. I actually saw today something came up about meditation classes, but I just, I don't know how I'd be in those classes. Like, I don't know if I'd just, I'd want to laugh out of awkwardness. But if meditation is something that you can do, I 100% say, hell go for it, definitely. Because it's learning how to take your mind out of what current situation you are in and completely calming yourself down and just relaxing. Um, So yeah, if any of you are into meditation or end up getting into meditation, then yeah, you're doing better than me. Another thing would be yoga, which I do. Hooray. And I absolutely love it. And I have to admit, yoga has worked absolute miracles for me. So I do all kinds of yoga. Um, it's, I started at my gym. So I joined up um, to a gym in December time. And I started going to these yoga classes. Well, they're absolutely amazing. They're my favourite classes to go to. And there's different kinds. So I do core yoga, do vinyasa yoga. Um, I do restorative yoga and hot yoga. And they all work in different ways. And, you know, just the stretching, focusing on your breathing, actually have to focus on the moves because I'm not the most flexible person in the world. I'm definitely getting a lot better. But I mean, when you're doing these poses... I like I don't see how your mind could be anywhere else as well and also the stretching out of your body the relaxing of your body it it just all works wonders for your mind I always come out of yoga and it's like my endorphins are so much higher I feel happier I feel so much more relaxed I absolutely love it another thing that I personally like myself is like going to the gym as well so I've been like really stressed at work before and I've been in a rush and I've just had one of those days that's been non-stop and I've gone to the gym and I've just done like a really crazy workout, like a spin class or something where, again, you just don't have time to think about anything else anymore. And it's just the best thing ever. Exercise is fantastic for relieving stress. So, so good. And it's also getting that oxygen going around your body as well. So it's, yeah, definitely you know, try and get a bit more exercise in there for those reasons if you feel like that's something you're not doing that much and that stress is getting a little bit too much for you. Also, you know, other things that like relax you, reading a book, having a bath, going for a walk is amazing and especially that the light, the nights are getting lighter. I'm trying to go for as many walks as possible. I was going to go for a walk tonight. It's been glorious all day and I am not kidding you. I finished work. I stepped out. By the time I got home, it started raining. So I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm not walking in this. I am that person that will only walk when it is dry weather outside. And yeah, if it's horrible weather, I'm not walking. I mean, I'd like a dog really. But then I just kind of think of things like that. And I'm like, am I at that stage in my life where I would 
get out of the house in the pouring rain to walk that dog. I'm probably not ready or mature enough to have a dog yet. Let's not even think about kids. Another one would be sleep. And I think that like most people don't get enough sleep. Sleep is more important than most of us allow ourselves to believe. When we sleep, our minds and bodies enter a biological regeneration mode. Our brains recharge and cellular repair increases. The skin also gets to repair and regenerate itself. Best at night too. About seven hours is good and if you manage that for two to three weeks, you'll start to notice a difference within your skin. Just a few nights of bad sleep will lead to dull skin, puffy eyes and fine lines and this continued can further lead to a host of other issues including diabetes, nobody wants that or we want to try and avoid that. Our skin fluctuates from day to night, we call these Carcadian rhythms. At night our body finally gets a chance to repair itself, more from any traumas caused in the day. So this means that our skin is naturally warmer, has more of an acidic pH loses more water and excretes excretes less sebum. Ever woken up feeling like your skin's dehydrated and a bit sweaty? Well, there you go. That's why. So we need to ensure we're using a product on our skin at night that will capitalise on the skin's natural Carcadian rhythms and nourish and help to protect the skin, help repair and further prevent it from aging whilst keeping as much moisture in the skin as possible. So hyaluronic acid is great for this. Serums are always a great option for nighttime as they are super concentrated and quickly get to where they need to be. They're also more lightweight on the skin as well. And a nice gel cream on the skin. So it's going to help the skin it's going to allow the skin, should I say, to breathe on a night and it doesn't trap too much heat into the skin. So using a serum and a gel cream together would be absolutely perfect for a night on your skin as well. So it's just kind of thinking about that. Also, you know, if you kind of get less than the seven hours sleep, your body's just in general, not just with your skin, but it's just not getting to repair itself properly anyway. So it can cause then further stress also for the rest of the day, week, whatever. If you're lacking in sleep, your stress levels can naturally be higher too. So it kind of falls back into that. Water is another one. Everyone knows this. Water flushes out toxins and it detoxes the body for us. It does go to your skin last. So that's why we need to be drinking plenty of water because your skin is the last organ it's going to reach. However, even if we drink enough water, we're still going to, if you want super hydrated, glowing skin, you need to be applying products onto your skin as well because water maybe just isn't enough, but it's really, really going to help. It's really going to help those nice baby fluffy layers of skin right underneath that we can't see. So drinking plenty of water and also applying products to your skin just to help it stay nice and super hydrated. Yeah, they say two litres a day of water. Like, do you know, loads of people manage this actually. But for me, I try. I try my best. And I'll say, for example, one Monday, right, this is it for me. I'm going to start. I'm going to start drinking my two litres of water every day and I'm just going to change. And then I go to the toilet every 20 minutes. I can't stop weeing. And I know people say that's because your body has to get used to it. But when you have a day-to-day life and job and you need to wee every 20 minutes it's not okay I can't like I struggle so I like a lot of people out there 
can be really, really good at drinking water. I've got all the right intentions, but I still haven't mastered that two litres a day. I am trying my best to do it. And I do know the absolute wonders that it does to your skin. Um, I've seen those bottles out there, those water bottles that have different times of the day on it. So it kind of keeps you... Well, obviously you look at the bottle, don't you? And you're like, oh my goodness, it is 2pm and I am still on 1pm. So you drink your water down to 2pm. It helps you drink enough water in the day. I think I need one of those. That might work. And then I might not see it as such a challenge. I'm probably still going to wee every 20 minutes. If anyone knows how long that lasts, this weeing every 20 minutes before your body gets used to it, please tell me. But that's what we should be doing because it really does... Water is the best thing to flush out toxins in our body. Um, and if you're kind of helping to detox your body, you are naturally going to have clearer skin as well. So it will work that way. Diet and the effects that it has on the skin. I'm going to be really, really quick with this one because this could be a podcast completely on its own. So certain foods that you eat can really, really, really severely affect your skin. For example, dairy and gluten are not great for those that suffer with acne or eczema. Um, It can kind of trigger it off and make it worse. Dairy is definitely known for acne. If you suffer with a lot of acne and some, you know, quite bad breakouts, some people have found by reducing dairy that their breakouts aren't as bad bacterias you know it's not there as much whatever it helps it a lot so I'm not saying if you have acne or eczema don't eat dairy and don't eat gluten I as somebody who is gluten intolerant myself do not ever take anything out of your diet unless your doctor has advised you to do so because if you took dairy out for example completely then you try to reintroduce it later date when you're like oh hey my skin's looking a lot clearer your body might not be able to take it anymore so reducing it so it's kind of saying like do you have milk on your cereal every morning yes you do maybe try and have cereal twice a week instead of seven times a week you know and just really reducing the dairy intake but always keep it in your diet and same with gluten as well unless you have been advised by a doctor don't actually cut it out. Another one would be, you know, on a positive note of food, foods containing antioxidants will help repair your body. So there are so many antioxidant rich foods out there that will actually help to repair the body. It will fight off free radicals which attack the body. But again, I'm not going to get too scientific with that one get eating those antioxidant-rich foods, help repair your body. And also, don't skip meals, especially breakfast. Like, I know people can get up in the morning, like, well, I'm not hungry in the morning or I don't have time. Have your breakfast, have your meals. It's energy constantly for the body. And again, trying to eat as healthy as possible in that sense so that you're giving your food, your food, you're giving your body what it needs you know, it can take from those foods and it can help to repair itself. It can help to detox. Nice, clean eating genuinely means nice, clean skin as well. 
But I mean, also, I mean, what is a takeaway between friends? We've all got to enjoy life too. I think people can take things a bit too far sometimes. So I don't mean like, you know, take it too far and start a new cult. I don't mean that. But like, consider it. Kind of keep it in mind. If you know that you are an absolute cheese whore and you eat loads and loads of cheese and you've maybe got really bad breakouts and acne, maybe just consider reducing it a little bit. That's all I'm saying. Another thing which can affect your skin, which I will actually talk about more later on, is your skin and makeup regime. In England, we say regime. I understand that overseas in America and Canada, it's regimen. And when I actually looked it up, regimen is actually more correct. But here in the UK, it's regime. So that is what I'll be saying. So our skin and makeup regimes can actually, we could look at changing them to help improve our skin. So sometimes I've had a lot of clients come to me as a skincare therapist and say, I think I've got really oily skin. When I look at the skin, no, you don't. You shine there because you're actually really dehydrated. So we need to be treating your skin for something else. So you might be buying skincare thinking your skin is one type, but it might actually be something else. Um, and there's conditions out there, you know, skin conditions that change. So sometimes changing your skincare regime will actually help to clear your skin. And also the same with makeup. I have a lot of people that use cheaper makeup, not saying that cheaper brands are awful, but more looking at the ingredients in brands. Um, cheaper ingredients, for example, can be more comedogenic and cause breakouts And also, just layering your makeup on so thick and heavy is not going to let your skin really breathe and you can break out more that way too. So sometimes it's looking at really what you were putting on your skin. We'll come back to that later. And other considerations to have yourselves a little think about are things like pollution and free radical damage that it can have on your skin. So I kind of said that just before. So... Free radicals, you know, they attack your skin. And again, without, I don't really want to go too sciencey, but if you imagine like your happy skin molecules, and then a free radical comes along, and a free radical is an unhappy molecule, it's unstable. So our lovely molecules have an even amount of arms and legs, let's say, and a free radical is missing one. So the free radical will attach itself on two our lovely happy molecules and it will take away one of our molecules legs okay now our molecule is unstable so that's unhappy so this that's kind of what it does so we need to mend our molecules and antioxidants are great for that and as many other things are as well so that's me very briefly trying to explain what a free radical is and how it does damage our skin so every day you know, pollution is just a load of free radicals. So a car drives past you and you can smell the fumes from the car. That's just a load of free radicals and they will be attacking your skin. You know, you think, oh, I'm going to be healthy and bike to work today. You're probably going to bike through a lot of pollution. Keep on biking though, because that is good exercise. But it's also considering what you're putting your skin through before you get to work. You have to get on a train, on a bus, you go on the underground. 
you know, and it's a lot of warm air and toxins and fumes down there. And that is free radical damage on your skin. So basically, the end game of pollution and the effects it has on your skin is that it's prematurely aging your skin. There are things out there that you can put on your skin to help protect it. And again, thinking about the antioxidants, for example, eating them to help your skin, putting them on your face to help your skin, um, nice barrier creams protecting your skin as well. There are ways that you can kind of combat pollution affecting your skin. But let's face it, pollution is everywhere. Hello, pollution. Thanks for ruining my face. Another one, which is a great one to talk about at the moment, and I'll probably do another podcast entirely on SPF and UV damage, but UV is one of the worst things for causing premature ageing because UVA is your ageing rays, are your ageing rays, and UVB are your burning rays. So ageing rays, obviously, they cause your ageing and burning causes burning, trauma to the skin, redness, it causes the heat, it causes swelling and impaired barrier. This all also contributes to the premature ageing side of everything as well. And, you know, climate, for example, summer, when everything starts to get warmer, your skin secretes more oil and breakouts can become more regular. Your skin gets hotter. You know, you need to change your skincare routine up in the summer, in the winter. You have your stupidly cold air and wind. And then you go into your house and you've got your central heating on. So you've got all these things attacking your skin. And the skin can often become dried out and dehydrated. So then you need to be looking at changing your skincare routine again to help repair your barrier and keep your skin nice and hydrated and well moisturized too. So climate can affect our skin and if we are lacking in something in our skincare, if we haven't really thought to change up our skincare due to the climate change, we could be missing something. So literally everything that I've just talked about then, that can affect your skin by more dehydration, tightness on your skin, that can lead to fine lines, irritation, inflamed skin, red skin, dry skin, flaky skin, that's when you can feel that rougher texture on your face, oily, breakout prone, you know, excess sebum production, acne, scarring, pigmentation, sun damage, premature aging and it's knowing exactly what we need for our own individual skins that's going to help us achieve our best skin possible. Now we're going to talk about helping take care of your own skin. What products will work best for your skin is something to consider. So if you have got quite a oily breakout prone skin Maybe a gel cream might be a little bit better for yourself, something a bit lighter on your skin. You don't want too much moisture there on your skin. A lot of people that have quite an oily skin, they don't want to wear a moisturiser because they don't like the feel on the skin. They feel like there's too much there already. But you do need a moisturiser on your skin because you can be oily and severely dehydrated at the same time. So a gel cream can sometimes work an absolute treat. Also, if you have rosaceous skin, again, 
a hydrating gel cream can also be really good because it's normally super soothing to the skin and with it being more of a gel cream and that bit more lighter weight consistency to it, it will also allow your skin to breathe more than two. If you've got really rough, dry skin, you know, a nice, I don't like the word thick, but a thicker moisturiser, just to make sure you are getting that absolute maximum moisture for your skin. Um, and look for moisturisers that have hyaluronic acid in for hydrating the skin. If you think you're just quite dehydrated, you see the fine lines on your face, um, you see that tightness, you have that tight feeling, your skin maybe doesn't necessarily feel dry or rough, but you might just need that hydration. So hyaluronic acid is great. Or moisturisers that say that they are hydrating are always a good one to look at. And normally a nice hydrating moisturiser is kind of like a middle of the road consistency. It's not really too thick. It's not too light. But again, there can be some really, really lightweight gel creams as well out there that are super hydrating. So just kind of being able to figure that out for yourself. Barrier creams are really good for people like myself who are quite sensitive. I have an impaired barrier. Normally if you have red irritated sensitive skin, if you have breakout prone skin acne that's very inflamed and sore, you're going to have an impaired barrier on your skin. So it is good to think about a barrier cream that is going to basically be trying to put the barrier on the skin to what it should be. So your barrier on your skin is basically, it consists of fatty acids, water and oil. So when any of those are slightly out or we're lacking in it, then our barrier becomes impaired and that can lead to the redness, the inflammation there as well so it's making sure that you're aware of that and if you need something to help that then you do. So now this leads me very nicely into what I was talking about at the start of the podcast when I said about my little questionnaire time um, trying to see what past brides and future brides thought about booking in for skin treatments to help with the improvement of their skin for their wedding. So the fact that most of you guys had said no was quite shocking because I think it's really, really good. And I think it's quite important to consider booking in for a skin treatment before your wedding. A course of treatments could really rack up some brilliant results on your skin. It could really clear your skin. But even if that was too expensive for you... And you just wanted to know exactly what your skin type was and what you should be using, then it's really good to go and book in for a facial with a therapist, whether it be a full 60 minute, 90 minute treatment, or whether it just be a 20 minute, 30 minute treatment. You'll be able to get a lot of information from a qualified skincare therapist. They'll be able to tell you about what your skin type is, you know, and what, what you need for it. So that's why it shocked me because I know that, like, we can all try and improve our skin and you really, really can. But if you wanted to genuinely know some real answers to these questions, this is totally the way to do it. I'd have a look around and make sure that you got booked in with a good skincare therapist. And I don't mean it in an awful way, but not just any old person. Like, you know, even when I worked in the spa industry, 
I look back at my knowledge then on skincare and it's shocking compared to what it is now. So I'd maybe, I think it's important to look at the brand that you're going with and the education of the therapist to make sure that you're getting proper advice and you're going to get a good facial as well. There's no point in paying for facials that aren't going to do anything. Yeah, ask around, ask people. Recommendations are always the best, right? You know, hearing from other people what they think about somebody or their experience is is the best thing to do. So yeah, with a skincare therapist and booking in for facials, together you can both work out a suitable and manageable skin regime that is going to work for you. Now, I know as well, a lot of people, and I myself also, I don't like going into a shop and somebody coming up, like you see them coming, they they want to sell to you. And I hate that. And I, I again believe if you book in with a very good skincare therapist, they will never ever just sell and sell and sell to you um, with their knowledge and what have you and listening to you. They should listen to you and your day-to-day life and your current skincare routine if you use products, if you don't use products. And they should work in a product or two products that is, you know, is really going to help. So someone like me, I have everything that you could possibly imagine to go on my skin. I do not overload my skin and I do not use every single product in my cupboard on my skin, but I am a massive skincare junkie and I know what works at different times of the year or what I need on different days and I will use it accordingly. If you've never used anything before, if you just buy a cleanser and a moisturiser, you're going to notice absolutely massive improvements to your skin already. You need the right ones for your skin, but you will notice massive improvements. So it's not saying, okay, because I have a cleanser, a moisturiser, an exfoliator, an oil, a mask, an eye cream, a serum. You need all of this as well. It's looking at you individually And it is sorting out and working on a suitable, manageable skin regime that you can do at home and that you can understand. And that by doing it, you will genuinely see improvements. Something I notice when I talk to clients that sometimes people can go out and just buy everything and use it on the skin. But actually, you can irritate your skin and you can make it worse as well. So I kind of think start off small when you're looking to maybe change up your skincare regime or create a new skincare regime for yourself start off small and target your main concerns so I'll have people in the treatment room and I'll give them a mirror and I'll say you know look in the mirror and tell me what your skincare concerns are tell me what you don't like when you look in the mirror at your skin and there are two types of clients and one type will go no my skin's fine well everybody will have something you know you're here for a facial what is it that you want and if it's relaxation hey cool we can do that for you but if you are trying to improve some what is it like really have a look tell me anything you notice that you'd like me to work on and I will help improve that and I get other clients that are looking the skin and they will literally list everything as a concern on their face they'll be like well I don't like my pigmentation I've got dark circles on my eyes I can see lines there as well I've never had lines there before and I've got redness there I don't like that I can see that like little broken vein on my face and I hate that too and my skin just looks really dry and tired and saggy and oh god I wish it was a lot more youthful again and younger and plumper and it's just horrible and it basically just made me look 10 years younger 
And these clients that say this, their skin is never half as bad as what they have just said. But it's just kind of saying, okay, right, well, what are your main concerns? And let's target those first and then we can work on other things as we go through. So it's just kind of, yeah, having a look. What do you want to improve for your wedding? When you look in a mirror, what is it you're seeing on your face that you don't like, whether that be dull skin, whether that be puffy eyes, whether that be, you know, too much pigmentation going on, whether that's your breakouts or I'm super oily, shiny. What are the main concerns? And then start to think to target that and improve on that because that will already be massive improvement in time for your wedding. And remembering that a skin type is what you were born with, but a skin condition can be caused due to lifestyle factors. So maybe also with your skincare therapist or yourself, looking at improving your lifestyle factors to help your skin, your diet, your sleep, water intake, or your stress levels, and kind of seeing what else you can do to help the lifestyle side of it in order to potentially also help clear up skin conditions that are concerning you for your wedding. And if you found that your skin, if you have really bad breakouts, really bad scarring, or quite bad pigmentation, lines, ageing, then I really do think that to begin a course of facials leading up to your wedding is one of the best ways to really improve on your skin as well. So that's why I was shocked that most people hadn't considered it because I think that going to a professional, somebody of knowledge, is one of the best ways to to get the best for your skin before your wedding day. I think it's one one of the most important things, is all I'm trying to say. Consider it, people. Consider going to a skincare therapist to achieve the best skin that you can possibly achieve for your wedding day. This then leads me on to my last topic, really, of the podcast. How clean is your makeup? And I'm not going to make it, again, too much of a thing this bit because I think I'd like to do another podcast on it where we can really look at how clean is your makeup. We can really look at some horrible facts and we can learn about the bacteria and what it's doing to your skin. So I'm just going to kind of touch down on this. Um, some factors to consider about your makeup is how old is your makeup? Okay, because most makeup comes with a 12 month from opening date, which I am telling you now, most of us ignore. Um, But if you've really ignored it for a good five years or so, the bacteria in that makeup is going to be mental. You're going to be putting that on your skin. That is absolute dirt and filth going on your skin. You are feeding your skin with all kinds of disgusting bacteria, it's going to irritate your skin. It's going to either flare up your eczema. It's going to bring you out in crazy breakouts. It's just going to irritate, make your skin redder, aggravate your skin. Get rid of it. Throw it out. Are you wearing too much makeup? A lot of people wear a hell of a lot of makeup. And over the years that makeup has become so much more popular more people are slapping even more on the face. To get that super thick, flawless Instagram finish, but we don't need that. You do not need that to get a flawless look. So 
Also, if you think that you're putting too much on, this might be really contributing towards the reason why you're, you've got irritated, inflamed, breakout skin. So maybe try and go for a lighter coverage. Also, just a quick fact for you all, if your foundation says it's full coverage, it means it's full coverage. It does not mean that you have to cement it on your skin. If your foundation says that it is a lightweight coverage, that means that when you put it on, it is going to be lighter weight on your skin. It's not going to be as full coverage. If a foundation is full coverage, you should have absolute maximum coverage just by nicely putting it on your skin because that is what that foundation's job is to do, is to give you full coverage. You do not have to cement a full coverage foundation onto your skin to get full coverage. Just know a lot of the time that less really can be more when it comes to makeup and skincare. Sometimes, depending on our skin, all right, if our skin doesn't get easily irritated by things, then happy days, you know, throw whatever on your face. Don't really. But, you know, if you have skin that breaks out very easily, is highly reactive to things, highly sensitive to things. By wearing less, you're going to really help your skin look flawless, so much more flawless. It'll be so much more calmer in the long run. You know, these things do take time though to see the differences, but less can be more, you know. Put on a nice lighter weight foundation or a full coverage foundation, just don't cement it on, and put on the rest of your makeup reduce the amount you're putting on you can get the exact same full coverage look it can be great give it a go and also do you clean your makeup brushes i i do i clean my makeup brushes because number one my makeup brushes for my clients i have to clean after every use on clients so it does make me aware to clean my own makeup brushes. When I was younger, however, and I started out in the beauty industry and I was, what, 16? Um, and I kind of, in the spa industry, I hadn't done my makeup course at this point and I was trained in a mineral brand of makeup. So with the mineral brand, I bought the starter kit, I got my brushes, I was like, this is ace. I put my makeup on for the first time with these brushes. I think I'm great, you know. And then all of a sudden, my brush starts getting what can only be described as dreads. And I was like, yeah, I don't know what's going on with these hairs on my brush, but they don't look like what they did look like when I bought it. So I cleaned my brush. I just used shampoo and I cleaned it. And all of this horrible pitted foundation was just coming out and my sink was literally the colour of my face because I had not washed these brushes for like a year and a bit. And I'm just saying like right now, you know, I was 16 and I was totally innocent towards this. That is not an excuse. And I should have definitely known better even then. Um, and yeah, think about all of that makeup sat in your brushes. Again, the bacteria growing in there. That's, you know, the bacteria from your skin, the bacteria of your makeup, and you're not cleaning it. And then this dirty brush is going on your face. So your makeup might be in date, but if your brushes are absolutely disgusting and then you're putting that back on your face, oh gosh, it's, oh, it's just horrible. It's like, don't, like, it's one of the worst things that you could do. Would you go and eat like moldy cheese out of the fridge? Maybe some people would, but like, don't, don't do that. And don't go and put on dirty bacteria filled brushes on your face just give them a little shampoo every now and then give them a little clean that's that's all that they need is just just a little bit of love every now and then 
Just give them a clean. Like, if they're your own personal brushes, once a week's great, but let's be honest, loads of people are just not going to have time for that. Clean them once a month. Start trying to do that. That is going to be a big improvement. Cleaner brushes, happy days, happy skin. Woo! And the joyful one is what ingredients are in your makeup? So I have got a list here of ingredients that we should look at avoiding in our makeup, okay? Um, so things that we need to look out for ingredient-wise in makeup products are endocrine disrupting chemicals, EDCs otherwise known as, and these disrupt or interfere with the human hormone system. Some of these chemicals are known to or suspected of being able to mimic the female hormone, oestrogen. High levels of oestrogen in the body are associated with an increased risk of breast cancer. So we're not saying that these ingredients that I'm about to say to you are going to give you breast cancer. That's not what I'm saying. But they're not good ingredients to have in your makeup. So consider taking them out. I'm going to try my best to pronounce these now. Um, they are long words and I'm going to say them how I think they should be said. I'm not saying that that's correct. I'm saying I think it's correct, okay? Galaxolide, otherwise known as HHBC. Tonalide, otherwise known as AHTN. Methylparabin, ethylparabin, butylparabin, so they're your parabens, trithanamoline, monoethanolamine, butylated hydroxytoluene, so trithanolamine, otherwise known as TEA, monoethanolamine, otherwise known as MEA, butylated hydroxytoluene, otherwise known as BHT. These are all known as endocrine disrupting chemicals. I got that little bit of information of breastcancerUK.org.uk. So they're not great to have in your, in your makeup anyways, but it's not necessarily saying that they're gonna make your skin break out or be comedogenic. You need to look out for comedogenic ingredients, ingredients that are irritating, you know, lanolins, mineral oils, fragrance, perfumes, talcs can often be more in that field of it. They are what will irritate your skin as well. But in all, anything I've said there is not really good for your skin. And we should, we will look further into this in another podcast because it really, you can really, really just go on and on about this stuff. But yeah, products that are going to be comedogenic for the skin which basically means it's not allowing your skin to breathe. So therefore, you can break out a lot easier. You can become irritated a lot easier. And over time, sensitized to a set makeup product because of a set ingredient. That can literally just be it. So I'm not saying that like expensive makeup means it doesn't have bad ingredients in and cheap makeup means that it does. It's just that cheaper makeup products can often be more comedogenic for the skin because they put in slightly cheaper ingredients um, that are going to possibly irritate the skin. These cheaper ingredients though, however, they're not necessarily crazily bad. It's just that sometimes in slightly more, I don't want to say expensive, but products that kind of cost a little bit more can sometimes just have 
better ingredients in that do the same tricks as cheaper ingredients but maybe just with them being that little bit better they're also not going to be comedogenic for the skin they might be you know good for the skin as well just keeping a thought thought on that and being aware of maybe what is in what you are buying currently as well if you're highly breakout prone or you're sensitive irritated I really would consider this and again going to speak to somebody a skincare therapist or you know makeup artist that might know a little bit more that can help you with that too something when I have this kind of conversation with a lot of brides in their trials is they always ask how long should they consider making a change to their routine to get the best skin that they can possibly get in time for their wedding and I kind of think you know really any time from a year to at least six months but I mean if you started thinking about changing up your skincare routine three months prior to your wedding you're also going to see some you know pretty good results too I tell people a lot, you know, when you make a change to your skincare regime, um, you start using skincare for the first time, or you maybe use different makeup for the first time, it can take your skin about a month to adapt to it. And sometimes within that month process, you might experience more breakouts. That's not necessarily a bad thing. That can just be your skin clearing, a bit of a you know detoxifying process going on for your skin um, as it gets used to newer better products that are more suited to your skin after about four to six weeks you really will be able to tell if a product is really working for you when you go for facials a lot of people know you know you can break out more but again it's that detoxifying of your skin it's that deep cleaning of your skin it can cause breakouts to happen these breakouts were probably going to come out at some point it's just sped up that process and it's clearing out your skin so I would say Definitely don't start all of a sudden trying to change up your skincare routine two, three weeks before your wedding. That maybe is just a little bit late and if anything you can probably, you might end up causing more breakouts for your skin. Um, So if you were really, you know, looking at really getting on and improving your skin, do it a year before your wedding. Six months is great. Three months is also great too. What is going to, again, fit in with you, your lifestyle, your routine? But yeah, I kind of think you definitely, three months, I'd say, minimum, because you want to get through the changes that your skin will have adapting to new products. Sometimes you don't notice anything and your skin just looks great straight away, but sometimes you do get your little pimples and your little breakouts. You want to get through that, you want your skin to clear, and then you want to see the results of what it's actually doing to your skin as well. So I think three months minimum, a year absolute maximum. People normally do it from about six months. I hope that's helped. Does that make sense? Has this helped you? And I think that everything that I asked in my little questionnaire investigation, I think I've managed to answer it all in this podcast. The only thing that's maybe something that I've maybe not really covered as well is the question that was have you tried wearing more makeup before your wedding to get used to having more on on the day and 86% of you said no and I feel that the majority of you said no because most people these days wear makeup and most of my brides for wedding makeups ask to look very much like themselves um 
a slightly more enhanced version of themselves. So therefore, that it's not really they're not massively changing the makeup a lot. It just might look a little bit different and hopefully enhanced and something that they maybe can't quite do themselves. But I do get some brides that don't wear anything on their skin. And they often have great skin, you know, but they are not used to seeing makeup on. So I put that question in there. It's, I suppose, not massively actually related to this topic, but I put that question in there because... It was just to kind of make people aware that more for seeing yourself and being used to yourself with your makeup professionally done, there's sometimes it's quite a good thing so that you don't feel as alien on the day. I mean, obviously, you know, somebody didn't wear makeup. I'm not going to do like a crazy makeup look on them, but they will have makeup on. So they will already have considerably a lot more on then nothing, if that makes sense. So sometimes if you've had a trial and you are somebody that doesn't wear a lot of makeup or any makeup at all, should I say, then it's not actually a bad idea just to wear a little bit before your your wedding day. I don't think, you know, don't wear it every day, but just maybe put it on on a Saturday or something. See what it's like. Put it on for a night out. Put it on to go and do your, your weekly food shop, whatever you fancy. Just get used to seeing yourself with it, feeling that on your skin as well. I notice a lot of people that don't wear makeup touch the face a lot more. When you wear makeup, you kind of train yourself to itch the corners of your eyes, to maybe not be touching your face as much because you know you're going to rub it off. So just kind of getting yourself used to wearing makeup and do's and don'ts of wearing makeup, what to do, how you look in it, how you feel in it. Yeah. Sometimes it's just a good thing to consider as well. So there we have it, guys. That is the first Beauty Undercover podcast. All done and dusted. I hope that you have enjoyed listening. I hope that if you are a future bride-to-be, that this has also helped you. And also not actually, even if you're a bride, if you're just somebody that's kind of curious and considering improving your skin or ways to improve your skin hopefully this has helped so if you haven't already it would be great if you gave me a follow on instagram which is beauty.under.cover where i will be posting whenever there is a new podcast so you can keep up to date with it on there and also see posts on skincare education facts product reviews makeup tips beauty tips and if you have any questions at all or there's any podcasts that you would like me to do, anything that you would like me to base the podcast on, give me a message on the Beauty Undercover Instagram and I will see what I can do. Thanks for listening. I'm Lauren Amy and I'll see you next time for more Undercover Beauty.